Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Paul Goldschmidt arrived in Cardinals camp and shared why he led the push to get Matt Carpenter back on the team. Coming up on B-Shave Daily. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It is Monday, February 19th, 2024. We're in the evening hours down here in Jupiter, Florida. Whirlwind couple of days since we last spoke here on the podcast. Appreciate you guys for joining me if you are taking in the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. Or if you're over on Spotify, Apple Podcast on the B-Shape Daily Feed, thank you guys for joining me today as we cover Cardinals camp once again. Monday was the first day of full squad workouts of the season of the spring campaign down in Jupiter. Position players were required to report today, and the rest of the folks that I hadn't seen yet did report on Monday. Paul Goldschmidt in camp, Dylan Carlson in camp. I saw Moises Gomez. I don't know if Moises Gomez was down in camp before Monday or not, but he's certainly an unmistakable presence when you do see him. Big dude. You can see how he might hit for some power. Cardinals, of course, DFA'd Moises Gomez, but he was not claimed and is down here in camp. So there is that. We'll talk today about Paul Goldschmidt because he arrived in camp and is obviously one of the big names on this Cardinals team, entering the final year of his contract, by the way, in St. Louis. That's not a topic that he was willing to touch on today at all. Basically saying, uh, and he was asked, but basically saying, yeah, I've managed to not comment on my contract status to this point, so I'm I'm going to keep it that way. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, you got to try, but uh, he was not playing ball on that. He did play ball, however, on a couple of questions that I asked him that may be of interest to Cardinals fans as it pertains to Matt Carpenter and his reinsertion back onto the St. Louis roster this season. The veteran leadership quotient, we've talked a lot about it. Feels like at this point in the spring, a lot of the conversation is more narrative-based because we don't have stats to give you. We don't have that data. There's guys practicing baseball out on the backfields, and it's a lot of how you feel about things more so than what are the results? Because we don't really have results to measure just yet. Now, the more and more we get into live BP and, and the pitcher is trying to get out the batter and vice versa, the batter is trying to do his best to take the pitcher deep. Had more examples of that on Monday and, and we'll continue to the rest of the week. So the more that that comes about, the more we can maybe get into performance. But yeah, narrative is what drives a lot of the early days of spring. And there was a meeting Clubhouse meeting for the Cardinals led by Ollie Marmel, in which John Moselock, I'm sure, spoke. I imagine Bill DeWitt Jr. also had some things to say. The annual rite of spring, as the full squad comes together, there's always a clubhouse meeting on that first day. And as an annual rite of spring, the Cardinals tell us nothing about what was said in that meeting. We always try 
and uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Ollie Marmel, they, they weren't biting. Suffice it to say, uh, maybe there were some other players that gave some some nuggets to reporters, but I didn't I didn't happen to see any of that. But the Cardinals with the full squad intact, minus Tommy Edmond, he was not at camp on Monday, just due to a stomach bug was the word from the Cardinals. So hopefully we see him back at camp on Tuesday. And he is one of the guys that we want to get a look at because if he's behind in his throwing program, his hitting program, the Cardinals are going to have some some questions to answer about what their opening day outfield may look like in the event that Tommy Edmond is not ready to go. But everybody else was around and making that march toward figuring out what this team's going to look like in 2024. Appreciate you guys for being with me. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Tons and tons and tons of content hitting that YouTube page over the, the past few days, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, did something for the first time on Monday. Gave you all the sights and sounds of Cardinals camp, first day of the full squad workout. I think it's about 10 minutes long of the various video clips that I was able to put together from out there on the field, and let me know your thoughts on that. Comment in, in this video or comment on that video over there what you like about it, what you didn't like about it. Obviously, the one thing that I think people are probably going to mention is the wind. Very, 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 very windy down here. And um, barring going out to Best Buy or something and, and buying a microphone or a muffler or something for my phone speakers, yeah, I, I don't know that that's going to happen over the course of the coming days. If anybody has recommendations, I feel free to drop them but I don't know if I'm going to have that kind of time. It is like crazy, the working hours down here, but I'm trying to get as much done as possible to get, obviously, the content for KMOV and then for you find folks over on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe. Haven't had a podcast every day, but but close to it. But even on the days where we haven't podcasted, tons of stuff to see. There's also another video that I just put up a few minutes ago before starting this recording. Live batting practice, Tink Hens taking on a number of Cardinal lefties. Lars Newpar, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman. Dylan Carlson batting from the left side. And then some regular old batting practice of the heavy hitters, Arnado Goldschmidt, Wilson Contreras, Matt Carpenter. So that's up in another video on the channel as well. So this is great content. If you guys enjoy seeing what's going on down here, would love to have you subscribe. But in this episode, I want to focus a little bit on the conversation surrounding Paul Goldschmidt and his answer to some questions about veteran leadership. Because I mentioned... Yeah, we're going narrative street a little bit heavy in the early portion of spring because that's what we have in front of us, right? We don't have those those data points just yet to measure the performance of players. That's going to come. We've gotten to see guys like Zach Thompson, Matthew Libertor throw up-downs that happened a couple days ago. I want to say that was Saturday because Sunday was Sunny Gray. Didn't end up doing a podcast on Sunday, but he had a nice uh, live BP. He only faced the, the team's catchers, and Wilson was catching him, so not batting. So you're talking about like Nick Raposo and Pedro Pajas, some of those guys getting an opportunity against uh, Sonny Gray. I think he had three strikeouts and a couple of pieces of uh, moderately weak contact against Sonny Gray on Sunday in five at-bats. So he looks good, continuing to take, take charge at Cardinals camp, I should say. But let's talk about Paul Goldsmith a little bit because when Matt Carpenter was signed, John Mozeliak had his Zoom press conference and basically said, yeah, in talking to guys like Goldie and Arenado and Ollie Marmel, evidently this is something that was needed, right? And he was a little bit vague, but also not too vague. We could kind of read between the lines on that. And so Arenado was asked a couple of days ago and said, you know, 
don't take this the wrong way, but young guys were kind of overrunning the clubhouse last year and having those veterans around that can say something when something needs to be said, try and point these guys in the right direction. It's good to have those guys. And we all kind of said, well, what about you? What about Goldie and and Arnado to his credit? Probably knew that question would be coming because he could hear the way it sounded and said, I know Goldie and me were here, but neither of us are super duper vocal was essentially the line from Arenado. And and we had a whole podcast about it. And you could take that explanation for what it is. If you liked it, you didn't like it. Bottom line, while we do talk a lot about this narrative stuff in spring, you could have very great narratives, right? I'm sure you could go la- last year back to B. Shafe Dailies from spring training and say, well, you said all this wonderful stuff. It looked like the Cardinals were on the right trajectory. Yeah. You know, we, we learn as we go and found out Certain things weren't maybe going the way that that it seemed on the surface. The World Baseball Classic, I do think we can say a a year later, was a net negative on the team. Especially with a new catcher coming in. You know, a lot of variables that didn't go their way. Coaches that maybe either didn't fit or weren't quite ready to to, to replace the guys that they were replacing. The wealth of experience of Mike Maddox. You know, Dusty Blake is still here. Still the pitching coach and an opportunity to kind of prove himself in year two and improve the state of this pitching staff, but last year, you know, they, they had a lot of adversity and, and didn't handle it particularly well. Now, is that a result of, you know, inexperience on the coaching staff, not being able to kind of right the ship when you could see it heading for an iceberg, things like that. Everybody can leave that up to their own interpretation and, and, and form their opinions on it. But when it comes to the reality of this year's team, two of the team's most Veteran leaders had said, hey, we need some more veterans in the clubhouse. And Paul Goldschmidt put an even finer point on it today, and I was surprised. It's one of those where you know that Paul Goldschmidt, you know, you got to ask him a, a, a fairly decent question to get a decent answer. He is a, a very thoughtful individual, but he, he doesn't tend to play ball if you, if you don't pose a thoughtful question. But I had a simple one. I wanted his take on, on what had been sort of discussed about the Matt Carpenter situation and the idea that this is a team that needed more veterans, right? Arenado answered the question one way a few days ago when we first saw him and Paul Goldschmidt had his own way of approaching the question earlier on Monday. Here's my question to Paul Goldschmidt. You'll hear his answer and then a, a brief follow-up that I al- that I also provided and, uh, and Goldie answered that. So it's a couple minutes long, but I think interesting. And we'll get into sort of our thoughts on you know, the narratives that are, are obviously surrounding this team at this point and, uh, and and how much we're sort of buying into the relevance of, of the things being put out by the Cardinals. So here's my question to Goldie and Paul's answer. Paul, what was your take on sort of the desire to add a, a veteran voice like Carp specifically into, into the group like y'all were able to do this year? Um, I'll be honest, I pushed for Carp when he was a free agent for him to come back. I've... I saw the impact he can have on the field, but also off the field. And um, you see a lot of the, the best teams, I always have players like him and, and other players on this roster because they make the people around them better. And uh, that can't always be measured in the stats. I mean, I remember even when I was a young player, even, you know, last few years, you know, a guy may say something on the bench that helps me get a hit or do something on defense. Um, and it just shows up. Maybe it shows up in my column. Where it really the credit goes to them. So I think Carp's one of those players. We got a lot of guys on this roster that's like that, and, and that's kind of how we can make each other better and 
uh, make this whole team better. It's a guy that has that wealth of experience, especially beneficial to younger players who haven't necessarily seen the ropes for a number of years just yet in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, I think it benefits everyone. I mean, I'll, I'll really rely on him and, and talk to him a lot. Hey, what do you see with my swing or this pitcher? What about on defense? What about this situation? But, yeah, I mean, I remember my first few years in the league, I think a lot of credit goes to the veteran guys we had when I was in Arizona because they made that – they sped up that learning curve a lot, and it would be a, hey, you know, if you get in this situation, you know, here's what I what I would do. And so there's stuff that, you know, mistakes that I would have made that then I didn't make. And uh, a lot of that credit, like I said, goes to those those veteran players. And it might even be just something simple as, you know, after a, a struggling day, I'm saying, hey, it's okay, you got this. And just now you're going to the ballpark, you know, with confidence. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And so having guys like that, you know, they're – provide some consistency and can really help the players around them. Sonny Gray throws the sweeper. Maybe you've seen some video of it or Facebook. There's Paul Goldschmidt, Cardinal Slugger, talking about the addition of Matt Carpenter, the way that he pushed for that to happen in his own words. Like that was the, immediately the answer. He said, I'll be honest, I pushed for Carp. And obviously John Mozalak taking his uh his veteran first baseman's thoughts and feelings to heart going out and signing Carpenter to the vet men contract. And then I did include the the beginning of Benjamin Hockman's question to goalie there at the end of the clip, because that is what came immediately after my questions. And it was kind of funny because Hockman began to ask about the, the sweeper for Sonny Gray. Maybe you've seen some video of it and Goldie said, yeah, he struck me out on it quite a bit. So military grade media chuckle to follow the, uh, the lighthearted moment there by Goldie. But what do you think about the answer to the Carpenter question? Because he could have handled this one of many ways, but we knew with the way that Mosellac sort of set the scene for it, you know, he had to know that for as much as Paul Goldschmidt really doesn't go on Twitter or have a Twitter or do social media or, or probably read a lot of what's written about him or said about him or about the team, he really is insulated from that, and people may not believe it, and they might say, oh, sure, they might say that they don't see it. You know, some guys say that they don't see it, and then, you know, they clearly are aware of things. You could just kind of tell by there, – there are certain ways that you can tell. Paul Goldsmith, if anyone, I truly do believe is insulated from a, as much of this stuff as he possibly can be, and this is, you know, dating back several years of covering him. It's, I, I really do believe him when he says that, yeah, he doesn't read it. He doesn't know about it. So if it's being said, if there's a narrative out there, doesn't mean Paul Goldschmidt has that in his mind. However, you know, the, it, it was pretty well known after Carpenter was signed that John Mozeliak made the statements that he made of, yeah, this is something that, that we did, that I did after speaking with guys in our clubhouse, leaders on our team. And Arnato sort of took the route of, yeah, here's what the clubhouse looked like last year. A lot of young guys, and again, we we kind of felt the way we felt about that. I don't know that necessarily, if you look at last year's roster makeup, that the young guys were the reason for 71 and 91, certainly. But there also could have been some tendencies within that room that, you know, perhaps they, they, they want to make sure everybody's on the same page. I don't want to get too specific because I'm not in that room, so it's difficult to speculate on what Arenado might have been seeing that, you know, he'd rather not see. Because I think a lot of the young guys on this team, the ones that are main contributors, I really do think are guys that are on the right path and they're going to be leaders of this clubhouse themselves within the next couple of years. But nevertheless, Nolan said what he said. 
so it was like, well, how was Goldie going to approach it? And he approached it very simply by saying, yeah, I pushed for Carpenter and here's why. Now, you may not agree with his purpose for it. You may not think the reasoning matters. I saw a lot of conversation on Twitter. I put uh, the quote out about Goldie pushing for it and actually flubbed the quote, which I feel really bad about um, because you don't want to ever get anything wrong. And in the way that I got it wrong, I don't think was necessarily earth shattering to change the the messaging, but I had put that, quote, I'll be honest, I pushed pretty hard for Carp when he was a free agent for him to come back. When all Goldsmith said was, I'll be honest, I pushed for Carp when he was a free agent for him to come back. The pretty hard stuff, I don't know where it came from. It was in my head. It, I, I don't know. I guess pretty hard in my mind rhymed with for Carp, and I just heard something that I thought I heard, and I didn't hear it. So I made sure to issue that correction on Twitter. And you heard, obviously, just there in the clip, exactly what Paul Goldschmidt said. But I do feel bad about that, so I had to to correct that on Twitter. I wish they would let me edit my tweet longer than an hour. I went back to edit it, but I didn't notice it till like 80 minutes later. So that was kind of a bummer. But nevertheless, you may not like the reasoning. I saw some people on Twitter basically responding to that and saying, well, why didn't they consider making Carpenter a coach? Why does he need a spot on the 40-man roster or 26-man roster? And I get the sentiment there, but I also understand the sentiment of, hey, this is, you know, the last guy on the bench and he's a guy with familiarity with St. Louis. Like when the Carpenter move was made, I said, I really enjoyed it. I liked it partially because I thought it was kind of chaotic and fun, but partially because I could at least see what the Cardinals were looking to do. You could make the argument for a guy who has been a Cardinal, has won with the Cardinals and knows what that looks like. And for a team that, again, at the time, we may not have made a whole lot of it, but I think we all wondered, like, what's going on in that clubhouse? How are they handling what's happening here in 2023? I think ultimately we can look back on the clubhouse and say there was enough. It might not even be strife, but there was just enough, like, I don't even know what the word is. It's really, really tricky because when you're not in that room as a player or a coach, you don't see all that goes on. And I can even think back to walking into the room a bunch of times, dozens and dozens of times last year. But even that doesn't give you a full impression because maybe half the team's gone home or they're in the showers or they're in the training room or whatever. It's just, but like the vibe of the clubhouse, it just was not cohesive. I don't have a word to say what it was, but I can say what it wasn't, if that makes sense. It did not feel cohesive. Now, is that a result of 10 and 19 to begin the season? 100%. I really do think that played a major role in it. And guys like Ollie already this spring have said, I don't really need to talk about last year. I think I think it was Derek Gould that was framing a question this morning. And he even acknowledged, you know, the fact of like, hey, you guys have said you don't want to talk about it. And Ollie sort of interjected and said, yeah, and yet you keep bringing it up. <laughs> and so Derek said, okay, I'll own it. But I mean, I think a lot of the ways that we frame these questions aren't to get him to, you know, beat the dead horse of last year, but often to reflect upon how this can be different. And they just want to say, hey, it's 0-0. We're, we're not comparing it to anything that was. We're looking ahead. And that might be the right mindset. That might be the mind frame they need to get into to be able to have the success they're looking for. But I also think it's natural to look and say, this was a historically bad season in Cardinal history, and it's largely the same team. Like, how is it different? That's the angle that I think is so interesting. A lot of same players, but where they've made changes, I think those changes have been very, very targeted. And 
We'll see if it ends up panning out. But if it does, you can look at it and say, all right, they removed Tyler O'Neill. They removed Jake Woodford. They removed Dakota Hudson. You know, some of the some of the roster fodder toward the bottom of the group, you know, Taylor Motter. They made some changes in that regard. Obviously, Jack Flaherty gone, Jordan Montgomery gone. You can look at the group of players that's gone and you can make some some you can draw some conclusions, right? Some of those guys were were fine performers, but were they all great for the clubhouse? Some of them maybe not so fine performers to the extent that it didn't really matter what they did for the clubhouse. So like I think the moves have been targeted and it's not to demean anybody that's gone or to say anything, you know, that the guys are here are the right guys. We don't know yet. We we haven't really seen this play out. And now that I'm thinking of it, the one guy that I haven't mentioned, Andrew Kisner, the one guy that I thought they shouldn't have let go that they did, also may have just been a, a space clearing mechanism for Ivan Herrera, who looks locked in. Like he could be sneaky in terms of a guy who just has an absolute breakout in a really positive way and suddenly is a, a force to be reckoned with for the Cardinals. But generally for the Cardinals, I think there's this notion of, hey, we don't really need to talk about last year to know that that's naturally what is being compared to. But I really wanted to try and ask or frame the question either for Nolan or Goldie and the, the moment in the scrum just didn't come up either time because it, it, both guys had said, yeah, I really don't really want to talk about last year. Nolan especially at one point said not to be rude, but I am i don't want to talk anymore about last year, which is like, you you be the one to ask the next question about last year and see how that goes for you. Kind of felt the same thing with Ollie. But the question that I would love to, to ask is just the notion of like, you had to feel as a team like you were chasing it last year at a certain point. You start 10 and 19 or whatever it was. April was a bust. And you could have good leadership in the clubhouse, but you you have a group of guys that are so competitive and want to win so badly and they're good enough at math (laughs) and they can look at it and say, this isn't going to happen for us. And like, that could be hard to reckon with to like, to be status quo, to find that equilibrium, to find that, that Zen spot of like going out each day and not carrying the eight and a half game deficit or the 10 games below 500, not carrying that with you. Super easy to say it to the media. Like, oh, we don't, we're, we're going to try to win this day. Want to know today, right? That's like the college football mentality. And no, we're not talking Mizzou right now because I'm, I'm in my feels about everything going on with Mizzou, Mizzou sports. But like that mentality is easy to say that you have it as a team, but it's, it's a lot harder to do when, when the standings are what they are. Because you could do it for a good length of time and still not really come up with the the end of the day results that you need for your team. So I feel like the question that I would want to ask everybody is how much did it bog down on you? But like ask it in a way that doesn't make them answer that question because we know the answer to that. But like you lead them toward how much, like in light of how much that inevitably had to bog down on the team how good does it feel to be 0-0 and to know that that's not part of this anymore? Like, what's the weight off that that provides? Because if there was a weight on as a result of that, okay, that can explain Goldschmidt's performance being an 8-10 OPS instead of career norms or MVP caliber like he was in 2022. It could explain Nolan Arenado being sub-800 OPS and having defensive lapses, right? Like, They were overthinking it. They were underthinking it. They were just not in that equilibrium as a team. 
And this is an opportunity now to put all of that behind them to, to say like, Hey, this wasn't a physical thing for the Cardinals to be 71 and 91. Like that wasn't the talent level of the team. Paul Goldschmidt is not an over the hill first baseman. He's a better defender than he showed last year. He's a better hitter than he showed last year. The same can be said for Arenado. And then if you get the boost of like Mason wins, just a young guy trying to make his way. What if he has the proportional bump to his performance to a guy that's just settling into a, a big league role? Jordan Walker, same thing. I mean, he, he came to, to camp looking like a military tank, and that can be to the Cardinals' benefit. I mean, he looks bigger than he did before, and in a good way. Just the, the, the power, I think, is certainly plausible for him this year to, to really take a step forward. Nolan Gorman... What he hit, he led the team in home runs. What he hit, like 30 home runs last year, despite having 400 some odd plate appearances. Like, and, and, you know, it's easy to say, oh, he's done work to be more durable and, and try and avoid the back flare ups because that would be important in keeping him on the field. Hit 27 home runs last year. I was going to say, I didn't think he hit 30. 14 as a rookie, 27 this past year, but in 464 plate appearances. If I go 464. You didn't know there'd be math on the show, did you? 464 divided by 27. So Homer, every 17.185 plate appearances. Plate appearances? Why did I say it like that? 17 point, what did I say? 1.8. Let's just call it 17.2. You know, I think that's certainly within range. If you go, I don't know, what do we say? 575 plate appearances divided by 17.2. Can he get 575? Depends on where he bats in the order. But that would be like 33 home runs, 33 and a half home runs. So like, and again, that's a guy who maybe he improves. He was 23 years old. Still is until May 10th. So like, maybe he just improves as a player coming into his own. And you take away some of the, like the slumps and things like that for Nolan Gorman. It's kind of funny. We had the Gorman Libertor like friendship. And that was like, the only thing we talked about, and then you kind of forget, oh, yeah, those guys are butts. And now we're all on to, to Walker and win. But imagine if Gorman takes a step forward and in terms of consistency can kind of rise above the area that he was batting average-wise, 226, and then this last year, 236. Bump that to 246, 250. On base, take a few more walks. I mean, he, he increased the walk total this past year. He strikes out a lot, but I think with his style of game, that's inevitable. The holes in the swing, but but to be more selective on your pitches, I think has to be the key for Gorman this year. But maybe he gets into the 30s and homers. Like, you can look across this diamond and find the ways that this team gets better. Young guys taking steps forward, but the veteran players just kind of getting back to what they're capable. Cardinals could be real good this year. I think there's a path to it. I think the thing that we are going to talk a lot about, we've talked about it already, we will continue to do so, is that starting five, they're banking on it. They're banking on those five guys to take the ball. And if it doesn't happen, well, they're working right now very hard on a contingency plan because Ollie, as of this recording, hasn't announced it, but by the time you listen to the podcast, you probably will have on Tuesday morning that, that split squad on Saturday, February 24th, you're going to see Libertor start one of those games and Zach Thompson start the other game, if I had to guess. Again, this hasn't been officially announced, so if it's wrong, I'll correct it on Tuesday. But with the way those guys have been scheduled and used, I think you can plan on that. And then guys like Drew Rahm, Mike McGreevy, 
Gordon Graceffo, those guys all through, number of them throwing up downs where they're throwing a second inning. Graceffo, Rom. I didn't catch McGreevy live today, so I, I can't tell you if he did it as well. But that's kind of the the group that is fighting for a, a spot that nobody really wants, that six-starter spot. Nobody really wants to be the six-starter until either A, the Cardinals decide to start the year with six, which they very well may do, or B, until one of the five gets hurt, and then suddenly the six-starter is the fifth-starter, and you're on you're in the opening day rotation with a chance to be there you know, for the long run, depending on who's injured and how bad. So the Cardinals are doing everything in their power with the way they're scheduling this out to find they're, they're going to test these guys early. All these guys who are in competition for that sixth spot are going to be seeing early time in, in Grapefruit League action. And I think that's important because the season kind of hinges on the ability of the rotation to do more than it did last year. And honestly, I'm going to be real with you guys. I Cardinals are downplaying it for now, but there's not like, there's not all five starters on the same schedule ready to rock and roll. Ollie Marmel pushed back on the notion of the phrasing of Steven Matz being a number of days behind. And and the question was, well, Matz is four days behind. And he said, well, I wouldn't say behind. Four days after, four days delayed. What is the word? Because Matt's not on that same schedule. Lance Lynn, we may not see right away in games as they, they sort of work those veterans in. Now, it's not to say there is an injury. Certainly, the, the alarm bells would be sounding if anything to that effect had been said. But it's just they're bringing those veterans along slowly. That's the word for now. Some years, that's how the conversation starts before it's, a, by the way, well, you know, obviously he's going to be on the IL to begin the year. Like, you go, wait a minute, what? Where did that come from? The messaging is always very lackadaisical, nonchalant. Everything is kosher until it's not with these things. But it's not like these guys aren't throwing. I mean, Stephen Matz threw a bullpen. Now, I, 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 off, offhand, I cannot recall him throwing the last couple days. Tuesday will be a big day to kind of see. And it's probably my fault because there there is a pitcher's work schedule in the clubhouse. And I didn't happen to get close enough to it to see what the schedule for Matz is. So, again, I don't think there's anything to be alarmed about. Lance Lynn threw yesterday. He's thrown multiple times. They're just... They haven't faced live hitters yet, and a lot of the other guys are in the process of doing that. So we'll see. I don't think it's anything to to be too crazy about right now, but any semblance of pitchers being a little bit altered on the schedule just is something to keep an eye on when you do realize they haven't addressed the depth of the rotation, right? They got rid of Hudson, Woodford, a few different guys. They didn't bring anybody new in, and the reason for that is because unless you're spending a bunch of money on like a Jordan Montgomery which again, I know Cardinals fans want them to sign Jordan Montgomery. Please hear me when I tell you they will not do that. A, it would cost them a lot of money. B, a player has to want to come to a place. All right? Can we leave it at that? Can we leave it at that? Or do we have to keep doing this? All right? Cardinals aren't signing Jordan Montgomery. And any other pitcher that would be like a swingman for 8 to 10 to $12 million, why would you want to sign with a team that you're being told... Yeah, you're not in the rotation, but, like, we'll pay you. You know, you want to pitch, especially if you're on a one-year deal. You want to try and earn yourself that multi-year contract by going somewhere where you get a rotation spot instead of perennially being in limbo. Cardinals don't have a spot to offer anybody until that injury 
takes place if it happens to do so. So it's tough. And they weren't able to trade for any starters, right? That would have been the way that you can bring a guy in. I hate to say the phrase against his will, but like against his will. He doesn't have to agree to the circumstances of your roster if he's acquired via trade. And then you can massage the egos when he gets here. That would have been the way to do that. They couldn't make a trade of that magnitude. They were unable to do it. If they if they tried in the first place, it didn't happen, obviously. So that's where they are, and that's a spot where it sort of leaves you going. Thompson, Libertor, can they hack it as starters? If somebody wins that competition and there is no injury in the rotation, do you ask them to be in AAA? Do you ask them to be part of a six-man rotation? Is one or the other better for the bullpen to help you on that front? Because the Cardinals, I, I think, have a, a dynamic bullpen setup, but they're all also there's some room to add to that. And if Libertor is going to look like he did down the stretch out of the bullpen, then I think he'd be very well suited there. But you could also use that as a mid to high end rotation guy if he should ever complete his promise the the way that he looked as a as a prospect. So they got to make those decisions. But then it boils down to guys like and I want to expand upon this in future podcasts if I get a chance to do so. And, and some days I say something like that, and then the next day news breaks or something happens and we're talking about something new and we forget. But Graceffo and McGreevy, I think, are really interesting because if you think back to January 2023, winter warm-up, John Mozeliak asked about different pitchers, prospect types that could come into the, into the, the fold in 2023. He mentioned McGreevy and Graceffo by name. Obviously, neither guy made it to the big leagues, and it didn't seem like the the organization was particularly close to to promoting them at any point in time. But an offseason after you've sort of been, like I say, left for dead, but you've certainly, if you're McGreevy Graceffo, the, the, the star was once rising, and now it's kind of stalled out. We're waiting to see what happens for both those guys. It's almost like the Cardinals, by not really going out of their way to add depth, have dared the internal candidates to... To, to challenge for opportunities, even though they also have made it so those opportunities are not going to come about via their own performance. It's going to have to come about via injuries the only way because they've set up a rotation that they're paying all the guys and there are obvious veterans for those spots. But the, the part of it that the Cardinals don't want to talk about, the age of the rotation, <laughs> yeah, some of these guys are older and, and therefore may break down and may not make it through the season healthy. And if that's the case, these other all alternative options have got to be ready. So it's an interesting balance on the pitching side, obviously on the position player side, interesting to see the way that's going to play out. But Paul Goldsmith had his thoughts and believes that Matt Carpenter is a veteran. It can be helpful and not just the younger guys that can glean information from Carpenter's wealth of experience. Goldie said that I'll be using him a lot. So if it's a deal where it helps Paul Goldsmith and he's better for it, then I'd say it's probably worth it. Right. But, it also might just be a, a comfort factor for a guy like Goldie, for a guy in that clubhouse to have a, a guy that he respects and, and likes and, and Matt Carpenter. Well, Carp- I mean, it's a lot to put on Carpenter's shoulders to say, hey, you have to be the veteran voice. You have to be the the rookie whisperer for this clubhouse because we don't necessarily think we've got the guys that can do it in here already. Like maybe that's a little bit more pressure on a guy than than is proportional, but it also, you know, Paul Goldsmith was not shy about saying, yep, I pushed for it, and I think he can help us because I've seen clubhouses where veterans can can have that sort of impact, and 
Guys can take the things they say to heart. So let me know what you think, Cardinals fans. Hit me up in the replies in the uh, comment section, I should say, on YouTube. And uh, hit that subscribe button if you're enjoying the Cardinals content. I'm going to end the episode here because I got to get to bed. Another quick turnaround as we uh, head back out to the backfields on Tuesday and do it all over again. If you like the Sights and Sounds video, comment here or comment over on the Sights and Sounds video from day one, uh, full squad at Cardinals Camp. And let me know. Maybe I'll do it again on Tuesday if there's something that people appreciate. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you as always. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. And we'll talk to you next time on Be Shave Daily. Peace.